brought to you every other week around the time of the difficulty adjustment. This is episode 379. I'm your host, Econo Alchemist. This show offers you a chance to catch up on the last two weeks of Bitcoin mining stats, news developments, homeowner setups, and any breaking privacy implications. I hope you enjoy, so let's get started. My apologies for missing episode number 378 about two weeks ago. I've got some personal business going on and it's been quite distracting, but I'm getting back in the swing of things now with episode 379. Shout out to our sponsor, Upstream Data, your one-stop shop for Bitcoin mines of any scale, specializing in rugged outbuildings to house the technology needed to bring stranded energy to market through Bitcoin mining. Upstream Data has been helping capture what would have been wasted natural gas for several years with easily maintained natural gas engines that run the generators needed to power a building full of ASICs on oil and gas well sites. You can also buy ASICs from Upstream Data through their online store. I purchased my S19A Pro from them along with my black box and the setup works great. No ventilation requirements, no noise to deal with. It has been an instant problem solver for me. So navigate over to shop.upstreamdata.ca and check out their online store where you can order any of their solutions, whether you're looking to spin up multiple megawatts of production or just trying to mine privately and quietly in your own backyard with the black box. Upstream Data offers something for Bitcoin mines of any scale. Hop in their community support channel on Telegram. It's t.me forward slash ohm mining support. And there you can get help from the experts themselves. And shout out to our sponsor, Brains, a Bitcoin mining company focused on optimizing your operations with a full stack of solutions, including ASIC auto tuning firmware, farm management, and the world's first mining pool. Brains OS and Brains OS Plus are two firmware solutions that you can flash onto a variety of ASICs to make them run up to 25% more efficiently, earning you more rewards, and the list of compatible ASICs is continuously being expanded. Farm Proxy is a hash rate aggregation software that reduces data transmission between your mining farm and the pool by 95%. You can configure parallel usage of multiple pools, the communications are encrypted, and you get advanced monitoring capabilities. Brains Pool, formerly Slush Pool, was the first Bitcoin mining pool. They have mined over 1.2 million Bitcoin. They supported small blocks during the block wars, and they were the first pool to signal for taproot activation. I've been using Slush Pool for my ASICs because I like their feature-rich user interface, geographically distributed servers, and I like the variability of the pay-per-last-end-shares reward model. So check them out online at brains.com to see how you can start working smarter, not harder. Also join their community support channel on Telegram. It's t.me forward slash brains OS. And there you can get help on a range of mining related topics. If you want to start making connections with and learning from Bitcoin miners with hands-on experience and practical advice, jump in the Telegram channel Home Mining Wizards at t dot me forward slash home mining wizards and there you'll find a number of individuals who are mining and they're happy to share their experience and advice if you'd care to make a donation i keep a cypherpunk pay server online that serves a fresh bitcoin address each time you go to it scan this qr code and it'll take you to donate.econoalchemist.com and there you can enter a dollar amount and donate with bitcoin or if you're a samurai wallet or sparrow wallet user you can connect with my pay name icsun189 and make a private bitcoin donation using my payment code also you can now find the hashcast on most podcasting apps including podcasting 2.0 apps like fountain search for the hashcast to find episodes on your favorite platform with that let's jump into the state of the network Thank you.
Looking at bitrar.com, difficulty decreased by 7.3% down to 34.2 trillion from 36.95 trillion. There hasn't been a difficulty decrease that large since the summer of 2021 during the Chinese mining ban. In my opinion, I thought miners were exhausting their resources at 200 exahash. When the network hash rate increased from 200 to 225 this past fall, I thought it was a total last ditch effort. But then, despite all odds from October until November, the overall network hash rate increased another 40 exahash. And to me, it seemed like that was the blow off peak of large scale miners making one final push in their attempt for survival. And I think the network hash rate actually topped out at like 268, almost 270 exahash on the 14-day moving average. Now, I've been wrong on nearly all of my predictions in the past, but even a blind squirrel finds a nut once in a while. I really do think that hash rate will continue dropping at this point, and I think that the 200 exahash mark is where it'll settle at for a while. Moving on to hash rate with mempool.space, the 14-day moving average is currently printing about 244 exahash. The elevated hash rate levels between 260 to 270 exahash that have been carrying on for the last few weeks just don't seem to be sustainable, with Bitcoin price action falling below $17,000 in the wake of the FTX scandal. I'm not sure what to make of the decrease in hash rate, I could see this from a couple different angles. My first theory is that this could be some of the new mining operations that were part of that 40 exahash surge that came online during October, faltering under increased pressure from the decreased price action on what would have been already razor thin margins. Or my second theory is that roughly 23 exahash worth of the most inefficient miners have finally decided to pull the plug with the decreased price action and the increasing hash rate. So there could certainly be other reasons that I'm not thinking of, but the way I see it, people are scrambling to sell Bitcoin to cover their losses in the wake of the FTX scandal and the Bitcoin price uh, collapsing even further than most expected has caused a lot of fear, uncertainty, and doubt in the market. And I think that this has hurt some miners that were already kind of limping along. And I think any of those weaknesses are just being exposed right now. And that's what you're seeing happen. Only the strong survive. All right, with that, let's move on to ASIC prices. So I'm looking at data.hashrateindex.com. And here they've got a chart that displays ASIC prices and the prices for ASICs with 38 joules per terahash or better efficiency have slipped to roughly $18.05 per terahash down from roughly $23 per terahash last epoch or the last time I did a recording, which was about a month ago now. On the secondary market, you can still find What's Miner M30S++ 104 terahash models brand new in the box selling for $1,818 a piece. That's $17.48 per terahash. Hash price just spiked to about 6.4 cents per terahash per day, meaning that at this rate, it would take 273 days to pay off that M30S++. With the next having roughly 500 days away, that leaves about 227 days worth of wiggle room. 
in case the hash rate continues to grow and the difficulty continues to go up in Bitcoin terms, that M30S++ will cost you roughly uh, 0.106 Bitcoin. And given the current hash value of 376 sats per terahash per day, it'll take you roughly 271 days to break even on that ASIC in Bitcoin terms. So uh, pretty close to break even in both fiat terms and Bitcoin terms right now. Um, but don't forget to factor in your, your electricity costs. All right, let's check out some mining insights from insights.brains.com. As mentioned, hash value is up slightly at 376 sats per terahash per day, and hash price has spiked to 6.4 cents per terahash per day. So running a 104 terahash ASIC should earn you roughly 39,100 sats per day with a current US dollar value of roughly $6.65 per day, which means that if you're paying 8.5 cents per kilowatt hour for that 3,250 watt, 104 terahash ASIC, all in electricity price, then you're breaking even. So that's up slightly since last month, which is good. Antminer S9 currently breaking even at 3 cents per kilowatt hour. And the most efficient ASIC on the market, the Antminer S19 XP, breaking even at roughly 12 cents per kilowatt hour. Top three mining pools at the moment are Foundry in first place with 26.1% of the overall Bitcoin network hash rate based on block finds, down about half a percent since last epoch. Bitmain's AMP pool in second place with 20.1%, up about seven tenths of a percent and F2 pool in third place with 15.7%, down by about two-tenths of a percent since last epoch. Brains is still in sixth place with 4.5% of the overall network hash rate based on blocks found, which is down about one-tenth of a percent from 4.6% last epoch. Altogether, the top three mining pools make up 61.9% of the overall network hash rate based on block find, roughly a six tenths of a percent increase in consolidation over the last couple weeks. With that, let's move on to news. This one comes from Bitcoin Magazine, the upcoming release of Bitcoin Core 24.0, a new major update of Bitcoin Core is being tested and in its release candidate phase and could be released to the public in the near future. This article starts out with a YouTube video link that um, is a discussion between Aaron Van Weerdom and Sjors Provost. Sorry if I butchered that name, but uh, these two guys are a wealth of knowledge and I love watching their videos. Um, their faces aren't in this video, so it's just the background, but they do... Um, cover what's going on with the replace by fee update that's been a controversial topic for the last few weeks. Um, well, it's it's been a controversial topic for a very, very long time, uh, but things seem to be heating up on the various message boards between GitHub and the talk forums and on Twitter. Uh, apparently, Bitcoin Core version 24 will do away with the longstanding 
first scene rule. The first scene rule means that the first transaction seen in the mempool with a particular input by your node will be given priority over another transaction attempting to spend that same particular input. However, the full RBF upgrade proposed for Bitcoin Core version 24 does away with the first scene rule and makes it possible for any transaction to be replaced by another so long as the miner's fee is higher. So basically, uh, any input that's being used in a transaction, so long as that hasn't been confirmed in a block, then you know that input is subject to be used in another transaction. Um, in other words, zero confirmation based businesses like moon submarine swaps will no longer be viable. Uh, I think that's unfortunate because I like moon's submarine swaps feature. Uh, I think it's a great wallet. I think the user interface is awesome. I think it's very easy to onboard people because it's intuitive and it just works every time. Um, for someone who personally had a pretty difficult time managing self-custodial lightning, um, you know, I was very pleasantly surprised with using Moon Wallet, and I think those submarine swaps work great. So they, you know, base that on on zero confirmation. So if they see a Bitcoin transaction, then they'll go ahead and allow you to do a submarine swap. And um, that's not going to work any longer if any transaction uh, can be altered. So, you know, if you have your moon wallet and you make uh, a transaction to it and they and they were to con and they were to see that and say, OK, you have uh, 50,000 sats available and you do the submarine swap, well, then you broadcast a different version or a different transaction using that same input and you do that using a higher miners fee and then that secondary transaction gets included into a block first well then moon is out that 50,000 sats that you did the swap with so that business model is not going to work um now when RBF is an opt-in only feature, then any transaction that is able to be modified will carry with it the RBF flag so that all nodes can see that the transaction is subject to change prior to inclusion in a block. So this is like that way, you could still broadcast a transaction and modify it after the fact and change the miner's fee. Um, but anyone, looking at that transaction would know that that particular transaction is subject to change. And so services like, like Moon wouldn't allow an RBF flagged transaction uh, to do a submarine swap because they know that it is subject to change until it's confirmed. Um, however, in a full RBF mempool, any transaction can be modified prior to inclusion in a block so long as the miner's fee is higher. So the input used for one transaction could actually wind up being used in a different transaction to a different address. Uh, in addition to zero confirmation businesses being affected, which is actually the lesser of my concerns with this change, to be clear, um, obviously 
if you're basing your business model on zero confirmation, then you know you're you're taking pretty big risks because there's no confirmation. Um, so you know I'm not like I'm not a huge zero confirmation advocate. I don't want people to get me wrong. That's not my primary concern with this upgrade. My primary concern with this upgrade uh, is that this up update also has the potential to introduce an edge for coin join denial of service attacks where the attacker could participate in a coin join round. Then while that transaction is still in the mempool, they could spend that same input in a different transaction and then the coin join round would no longer be valid. So personally, I see no benefits in a full RBF mempool and I'm not sure what problems this solves, if any. Uh, but it does look to me like this creates a few problems. And you can add potentially canceling child pays for parent transactions to the list as well. Uh, I did post a hot take on Twitter, which has been met with a mix of responses, many of them negative. Some people are calling me an idiot, etc. Uh, I'll use that thread as fuel to post a long form article explaining my position more articulately than Twitter allows for. Uh, and one last thing before moving on from this topic, uh, you know, anyone can run any kind of mempool that they want. So I, you know, some of these, I'll just pull up the Twitter thread. All right, one last thing before moving on from this topic. So here's the hot take I posted on Twitter. I just said removing the first seen rule in Bitcoin Core version 24 with full RBF goes against section two of the Bitcoin white paper. Quote, for our purposes, the earliest transaction is the one that counts. So we don't care about later attempts to double spend. So I will be running the flag mempool full RBF equals zero. Um, okay, so... Did I misinterpret the white paper as many people are claiming? Possibly. Regardless, uh, there does not seem to me to be any benefit to making this change. I don't know what problem this solves, but I do see a few potential problems that this creates. It interrupts businesses that have built a business model around zero confirmation, which, hey, you know, maybe that was their bad for doing that in the first place. Um, however, I, I don't really think it's right to just kind of force them, force their hand into uh, changing their business model so suddenly. I, I don't really agree with that tactic. There's something about that that's just like a burr under my saddle here. The other thing is it has the potential to screw up some coin join transactions and it has the potential to screw up some child pays for parent transactions. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm going to explore some other angles in my, uh, full length article on this topic. Uh, but I do want to say that, you know, some people in this thread are, you know, besides like calling me an idiot or, um, telling me I've misinterpreted the white paper. Uh, you know, some people are saying, or they seem to be implying that I think I should be able to have a say in how other people run their mempool. And I don't think that's the case at all. I think anyone should be free to run whatever mempool policy they want. So I just want to clarify that 
that, um, you know, it's your mempool. It's your choice. You can do whatever you want with it. I just think you should know that running mempool full RBF equals one, running that flag and running the full RBF mempool policy, it's not solving any problems. Or if it is solving some problems, like let me know because I don't know what problems it's solving. But I do think you should be aware that there are some potential problems that it's creating. So um, that's all I think. I think, you know, the choice is obviously yours to make. Um, However, every choice has its consequences. And I think you should be aware of the consequences of what Bitcoin looks like when any transaction is subject to change without notice. There are some consequences and some trade-offs there. All right. So that's all I have to say about that. And we're going to move on to the next news topic. Canada's Manitoba province enacts 18-month moratorium on new crypto mining. Apparently, the companies built on selling electricity in Manitoba are not interested in selling electricity in Manitoba. Dozens of Bitcoin mining companies have expressed interest in the region for access to cheap power and to the tune of 4.6 gigawatts of capacity. Not only has the Manitoba Hydro Dam stopped processing new and existing applications, but the entire Manitoba province has placed an 18-month moratorium on Bitcoin miners. In other words, no new mining operations will be lawfully permitted to operate during this time. This is yet another example of bureaucrats thinking they can dictate what utilities are used for. Their job is to provide the utility. The market will decide what the utilities get used for, in my opinion. All right, with that, let's move on to developments. This was an interesting development from Upstream Data. Uh, They're working on a water-cooled Bitcoin mining deployment for an ocean vessel equipped with a gas flare. Judging by the picture, and keep in mind, I'm no expert when it comes to oil and gas operations, but to me, this looks like the vessel is attached to the output of an underwater oil well, and they built a gas flare tower on top of the ship to burn off the natural gas that comes up with the oil. Well, upstream data is working on using that natural gas to run generators to power ASICs instead of this dangerous and inefficient method being used now. So I thought that was pretty fascinating. With that, let's move on to the Home Miner Hall of Fame. This one goes out to Matt Sat. So if you're not following them on Twitter, go ahead and give them a follow. Uh, I really liked their post because they put the black box in their basement. They used the Crypto Cloaks 3D printed attachments or adapters that clip into the output side of the black box, or it'll actually clip into either side, input or output. Uh, but this these Crypto Cloaks adapters make it really easy to adapt from the black box to six or eight inch ductwork. And so in this case, um, Matt Sats has put a cap on one of the output openings. And on the other one, he's attached some ductwork to an inline fan. And then that fan is hooked up to heat his house for the winter. Uh, so I just thought this was a great way to demonstrate using the black box in a home to 
plug in some ASICs to generate heat to keep your home warm and the black box is going to keep the noise suppressed from those ASICs. So I just thought that that one uh, ticked all the boxes and I thought that was worth a share. They also um, linked Crypto Cloaks there. So make sure you check them out on Twitter if you're not. And then you can go to their store. And in their store, you can find, let's see if you go to shop. Okay, so from the shop tab, you can go down to home mining. They've got a whole home mining section of their shop. And there you can find all sorts of 3D printed adapters for a number of different applications. And the upstream data black box mining shrouds is the one that I'm talking about. So um, I actually did buy a set of those for myself as well. And I'm trying them out on my black box at home. Um, I might as well show you what my setup looks like while we're on the subject. So here's how I set mine up at my house. Uh, so I've got my black box sitting outside. So it's taking in, right now it's taking in external air or air that's coming from outside the house. And it's going through the ASIC and then it's going through some duct work that I've insulated and piped into the window. Uh, but here you can see my Crypto Cloaks 3D printed shrouds. Um, I just put some foam tape over the top of them installed them in the output side of the black box. I capped one side just like Matt Satz did. And then the other side has the ductwork. I used the eight inch duct adapters in my example. And then that duct just goes up and into the window and it, uh, you know, sends heat from the ASIC into the house. So, um, you know, this, to be honest, this setup didn't work quite as well as I wish it had. And the reason is, is because I'm using cool air from outside the home and I'm pumping that air into the home. And so what that's doing is it's actually like forcing the air that's in the home, some of the air that's in the home already out. And that air has already been warmed up. So what I'm going to do, actually, I'm going to do the same thing Matt Satz did here, and I'm actually going to move the entire black box into my home so that the black box is bringing in air that's already warm from inside the home and is just circulating that air through the ASIC and making it even warmer and then blowing it out the other side of the black box. So I'm going to give that a shot. But, you know, basically the concept here is that Last winter, I was spending $350 a month on natural gas to heat our home. And so I could spend $350 a month on electricity to run this ASIC instead and use the hot air from the ASIC to keep my home warm. So I'm still spending 350 bucks, but I would also be earning like a million sats a month from running that ASIC. So that's my goal and more to come on that. Okay, and finally, let's take a look at privacy implications. Okay, so I came across this tweet and I'm not sure who Andrei Lifanov is, but I'm not even sure if this is a real video or incident or even if this was real, if it was actually related to Bitcoin in any way. But with all that said, 
taking the post for face value the, apparently this rich Russian guy was snatched out of his Bentley and tortured with a torch until he gave up the password to his Bitcoin wallet, which apparently held more than 250 Bitcoins. Now, as outrageous as this story might be, the point that I wanted to bring up is that you should attempt to use good OPSEC. Like, don't talk about how much Bitcoin you have. Don't wear Bitcoin emblazoned clothing. Don't have Bitcoin related items shipped to your home address. And don't associate your name with Bitcoin stuff. Don't use KYC services and always use a duress wallet with a small amount of Bitcoin to satisfy kidnappers that they did get some of your stash um, or all of your stash. And, you know, hopefully they let you go. Um, but, you know, whether this incident is real or not, I just thought it was a good reminder that there have been several stories like this, which are 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 verified and they are real and um you know this one could be real too i just don't know um but this stuff does happen so don't be a target and stay safe out there that's all i had for the show and i hope that you have enjoyed i don't have any guests lined up for this episode so be sure to check out our show's sponsors, Upstream Data at blog.upstreamdata.ca for solutions for Bitcoin mines of any scale. And check out our other sponsor, Brains, at brains.com for a full stack of solutions to help you optimize your Bitcoin mining operation. Thank you, and I'll see you again in a couple more weeks.